Welcome to Scrappy ABM, your source for groundbreaking approaches that don't break the bank. ABM shouldn't cost 200K in tech to even get started. So if you want to get started with ABM or make your program even better without investing a massive amount of money, you're in the right place. Each week, we'll hear from the brightest minds in the marketing world who are redefining ABM, achieving incredible results with untraditional methods, limited resources, and a whole lot of creativity. This isn't a show about how much money you can spend on fancy tech or overhyped tools. Instead, it's about celebrating creative problem solving and the scrappiness it takes to get ABM right. We'll dive into how these marketing leaders built robust ABM strategies with limited resources, revealing the actionable insights that led to their biggest wins. So if you're a marketer ready to challenge the status quo and build a scalable, efficient, effective marketing strategy, Scrappy ABM is the show for you. So if you're ready to discover ABM strategies that are lean, impactful, and utterly transformative, let's dive into this episode. Hey, everyone. Oh, my gosh. I'm so excited to welcome Mason Cosby to the show. We are absolutely thrilled to have you here today. You have been one of the people that I have, I'll be honest, I've tried to hire you. You are a small team marketer that everyone should want on their team. I'd love for you to introduce yourself a little bit to us. Tell us about your team, your company, and why you are a small team marketer today. Oh, goodness. We were just talking about how how we're a small team marketer. Um, so it's, it's interesting. I worked for a company called Mojo Media Labs. And then in May, we were acquired by a company called Gravity Global. So we went from a team of 25 to 350. So because Gravity has been built through acquisition, um, at the moment, before we do the full integration in December, all of the people that were running their own marketing are still kind of running their own marketing. So 350 sounds great, but like I'm still dedicated to running the marketing of just our team that's dedicated to account-based marketing. And I'm also now being pulled in to do global agency marketing to market the whole agency. And on top of that, uh, there was a, there's, our, we had a sales rep and she ended up stepping out because she got an incredible job at Deloitte of all places. So when that transition happened, I now also do our sales process. So I'm running marketing and sales for a team plus our global team. Plus I also have my own passion projects because of course I do. And that also requires its own little marketing. So this is not a forever thing that I'm managing this many things. There will be a reorg, but for about seven months of my life, I will be doing marketing and sales all in one. It's a good time. Oh my goodness. I just heard a favorite comedian the other day. He said, you know, when you're a comedian, people think you can act. It's like when you're a, you know, a chef and people say, that's great. Can you farm? You know, like <laughs> basically the life of a marketer, right? Like, oh, you're a marketer. Great. Can you do sales? Oh, you're a marketer. Can you do biz dev? Like the things that fall our way. Now to your point about side projects, you know, a lot about how one role turns into another because you uh, started an incredible podcast called The Marketing Ladder. So you've seen how the marketing role can move and change. Give us a little bit of that because I think everyone who is in a small team marketing role has probably shifted from here to there across the various elements of marketing. What's your take on that? I mean, if if we look at what marketing has become today, it is almost unrecognizable from what it was five years ago, 10 years ago. So marketing is an ever-evolving practice because there's always new channels and tactics that are being created. So by the nature that the best marketers that I've spoken to are not tactically focused, they are results-oriented. So as a result of being results-oriented, how they do marketing shifts because they are focused on 
what is driving the largest ROI today? And they don't classify themselves as per se an email marketer or a paid ads marketer or a content marketer. They are a marketer that does marketing and however that needs to get accomplished is how it's going to get done. Do you remember the good old days? I used to, I remember so clear on my resume, it said, I'm a digital marketer. It makes me die laughing. <laughs> I'm a digital marketer. Oh, aren't we all? Yeah. yeah. If you're, if you're not a digital marketer, I don't know what you're doing right now. Exactly. You are, you certainly are now. Loved your point though, about the results oriented piece is the thread that goes through all of it. The thread that goes to the most successful marketers is results oriented. When you're on a team like you and I are on these small teams and you've got a huge goals on your plates. I mean, tell me a little bit, you've got some massive goals on the plate of a very, you know, relatively, extremely finite team. How yeah. do you mentally even start approaching that? I mean, we are all results focused, but when you've got big results to hit, how do you even, what's the first step towards getting that done? I simply would say just starting with where, you know, you can get things out quickly into the market. Mm -hmm. So to give you a quick example, when I started at Mojo and this was 18, 20 months ago at this point, um, I wrote a ton of blog content because again, my in my past roles, they were industries that didn't use marketing all that much. So you could write a blog and like rank in a month on top level terms. So for example, if you go Google, what is omni-channel lending? I wrote the blog. It's terrible. It's the first blog I ever wrote, but because that industry was not marketing mature, I was like, oh, I know I can do that. And in the process of starting to build that content engine, I started to then experiment with other things. So it's starting with what you feel really confident that you could deliver results with, and then starting to experiment in other areas to see what moves the needle. For me, what ended up happening is blog content didn't deliver results as much as I needed it to in 2021 as a marketing agency. I mean, if you're trying to rank for the term account-based marketing in 2021 on Google, yeah. It's it's just not going to happen with putting up a blog. And as a scrappy team, you need results that can come from not necessarily putting in 40 hours to a single blog. Yes. So what we started to do was an experiment with other things while we still had that engine going. And the reason I was able to get away with that is, again, we were a HubSpot agency. So everybody recognized the value of blog content. They thought that was the direction as well. So I wasn't just off the reservation, you know. <laughs> but because I had past experience, plus I had buy-in for a specific tactic to start to build the engine. If you spend 70% of your time on mutually agreed upon things, you can then have the 30% to experiment to identify new potential opportunities. So for us, that ended up being in a large way, uh, events and LinkedIn. So we can dive a little bit more into that specifically. Um, but like the game changer for me is LinkedIn events. And for a, for a scrappy marketer, because what we would do is host webinars that were highly tactical webinars. So our, our best one is called Fix Your Site from Search to Sale. And we just did live website reviews. Um, and what we would do is just invite people from LinkedIn using a LinkedIn event. And you can invite like a thousand people per week. So I was going in manually with one screen. I had our target account list on the other screen. I had LinkedIn. I was connecting with every one of our target accounts for my personal profile, creating content daily that was relevant and helpful for them. And then once a month, inviting them to an event that was fix your site, account-based marketing strategy you can steal, 
content strategies for rapidly scaling companies, mm -hmm. highly tactically focused workshops that ended up through all of these things, we can now source that between the marketing efforts and the sales efforts that I've done in the past 18 to 20 months, it's sourced about 2 million in revenue. And that's not, that's not paid ads. I mean, that's literally LinkedIn organic and events and highly tactical workshops. But again, I started with blogs, experimented, and then it's iterated over time to get to that point. So happy to dive into any details around all of that. <laughs> Yeah, I want to actually start at the, let's start at the revenue and work backwards. So okay. was revenue the goal that you had in mind when you first set out with these? Um, or was it, you know, for a lot of us, it's you put on the what you put on the event because you're actually going to get the content out of it, right? Like where was, where was your thinking at the beginning of the process? Great, yeah. great. And love that it ended up in the 2 million, but were you ever even aiming to that? Or was it just tracking back after the fact? So I... I grew up with a small business owner as a dad and my mom was in sales. So going into marketing, it was always weird to me thinking that people would focus on this concept of like an MQL because I just felt like that wasn't actually the goal. So what, what was funny is I ended up having to convince my boss to change my marketing metrics to how many marketing sourced qualified meetings did we have on a weekly basis? Because I used to be measured against uh, MQLs as our, as our leading indicator. And I looked at our, at our conversion on MQLs and it was literally, I think in the five years that we had had the data, we had converted five MQLs to customers. Like it just wasn't, it wasn't a good metric for us to look at. So I had my annual review and my boss said, we can show that you've sourced at that point, it was $800,000 in marketing sourced revenue. And she said, but when we look at your leading metrics, what you're actually measured against, you've done horribly. We should change your metrics. <laughs> so it was, I, I knew going in, I want to inevitably get to revenue because that's, that's what matters as a scrappy marketer. Really, that's what matters as a marketer. But especially if you're scrappy, if you generate a thousand MQLs that never convert as a scrappy marketer, there's also nowhere else to look. Right. Like, I'm a one person marketing team. If the results don't come in, it's literally my fault. There's no one else that I can blame shift. So I have to focus on what's going to actually drive the needle. Yeah. So then you, if you, if you took that one and you, you, you listen to your boss's idea, who might've been your also idea, that's okay. Um, you are then bringing it back to this level of, can I get meetings that I know people are going to be informed? They're going to be interested. They're going to be hooked. And then the content you build, these events that you're going to chat about a little bit more those are specifically designed to hit someone at the first step of that meeting in a way that sales can take it from there and kind of close the, close the lead. That's excellent approach. I love it. And it, it, it also says we're not just building content for content sake. We're building content with the knowledge of what that content should result in for the audience that we're going to be driving. Um, exactly. Let's go back that one step then. When you set out to approach this, I love the idea you made these highly tactical. A lot of people like to do, you know, thought leadership events or, we're going to talk, you know, have a, a round table. Yours are more tactical. Walk us through the decision-making behind that. Uh, maybe even some of the tips and tricks you had when it comes to the agenda, the content that you presented. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love website teardowns, by the way. That was one of my old roles at Google was very focused on website teardowns. And so you speak to my heart with that, but take it away. So to the point that I was a dedicated solo marketer, marketing a marketing agency to marketers, it's a bit circuitous. Wow. Um, so with that, 
my job from my CEO on my first day, he said, I want you to experiment and I want you to learn so we can educate. Mm -hmm. Mojo is the test subject, figure out what works. Mm -hmm. So these tactical workshops were quite literally the things that I was actively learning how to accomplish. Mm -hmm. And what I recognized is I, I've attended a fair number of webinars that were a bunch of jargon. And it was a bunch of people talking through really high level concepts. And then at the end they said, and when we do these high level concepts really well, you can make a bajillion dollars, call us to make a bajillion dollars. And I was like, I don't, I don't know what you do. Like you, you're calling it A-B-E-X-Y. Like, I don't know what this actually is. So instead, why don't we walk through step-by-step step how we build ABM programs that generate $5 million for clients? and then give you the information so that you could run with the framework. And if you actually, again, here, here was the unlock for me is recognizing, I don't remember who I heard it from, but like 80% of people will listen to the information and not do anything with it, but they'll trust you. Right. 10% will buy. And then the other 10% will actually run with it. And then they'll point back to you as the reason for success. Mm-hmm. So even if they're not going to buy, they're going to become evangelists. So by giving away as much information as possible and quite literally equipping people with highly tactical workshops, mm -hmm. then again, they trust us. Some of them will buy from us. Others will just know us and refer people to us. And then selfishly, I'm one guy. So if, if I can do a workshop where I just talk about what I learned last month, it makes it really easy to make out the agenda. It was essentially just a monthly... What did I learn last month? Let me tell everybody. <laughs> well, and there's also on that same like scale, scaling the content, there's nothing as wonderful as having, you know, let's say a template and just the content becomes fresh because you're looking at a new website. You're looking at a new, you're just pumping in new content into the same template. It becomes very repeatable. It becomes, yep. you don't have to, you know, spend hours planning for the same thing. You know how to do it. You're just getting fresh inputs. I love it. I love it. The scalability, the I'm one guy doing awesome things. You had to make a decision around, you know, all the ways to hold events, all the ways to record and to share all the platforms. What landed you on really LinkedIn, but specifically LinkedIn events? Like how, um, what are the value that someone of, you know, a marketing team that's maybe moving a little faster, what was the value you got there versus all of the other options that look us in the face every day? Yeah. So the full like ways that we promoted were email. So we did an email new or um, we had an email newsletter that went out every Monday. We had specific promo emails. And then additionally, we would use, I would build out a sales sequence for our salesperson who would then opt in our target accounts from a sales sequence perspective to then try to promote it in that way. And that was, that was one-to-one -one focused. And then with tools like gated, sometimes we would get a bounce back and that's fine. For some people, they should probably get gated so they get less emails. But with that, that was the email side. And then we would use LinkedIn organic from my personal page because this was what I started to get really serious about growing on LinkedIn because I recognized the value of personal brands and how to essentially build an ABM program with a personal brand. Like that's how I got started on LinkedIn was trying to engage target accounts. Uh, it's turned into a lot more since then, but that was the original intent. 
Um, and then recognizing, oh, if I connect with these people, I can then for free invite them and they'll get a notification that says Mason Cosby invited you to fix your site. And again, it's my face. I've been building a reputation. I've been trying to be helpful through free content in their feed. If I invite them to this event, they may find value there. So from that perspective, I, at the time, I'd never run paid ads. So again, I'm I'm very focused around what are the free, scrappy, not easy, but growth hacky type things that I can do that are highly effective and maybe not always super scalable, but they work. Yeah. Well, let's go down that route though of, you know, the personal brand on LinkedIn versus Mojo invite someone to attend an event, right? I yep. think at this point, you know, we probably don't need to test it. It's probably pretty clear that coming from a person versus a brand on LinkedIn is critical. You obviously, as you said, spent a long time building that, or actually not that long, but a very fast trajectory to build an incredible personal brand. Where else do you see the split in kind of the personal brand versus the corporate brand on LinkedIn? Because companies can do quite a lot of great things on LinkedIn, but it is a very different look and feel. What's your take on that these days or the latest? Because it's always changing. So at this moment, I would still say that the emphasis should be on personal brands and individual because one, at this moment, the LinkedIn algorithm still does prioritize showing in-feed people. And the second reason is this is kind of the phase two to what I've been able to build on my own personal brand is our team is starting to see the value in it. So to give you a quick example, we, we, myself and two other of our team members, including my boss and our senior strategist went to B2B SMX and I walked into a room and was greeted by about 30 people that I had never met in person that knew me by name, like came up and hugged me. And again, it was, it was 30 people at an event of like 800 or a thousand. I mean, it, so it's not, it's not life-changing on that perspective, but the fact that I had never met these people prior and I walked into a room and they said, we're so excited to meet you. Or as we walked through the event, people were like, I think I rec, are you Mason Cosby? And it wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're it was like, I, I recognize you. And that level of impact, you can you can see it on LinkedIn, but especially as we're going back to in-person events, you can really feel it. So that was one thing. And what that has turned into is I've started to host workshops for our team on how to better do LinkedIn. So what that turns into is the scale, because if we can build out a program where we encourage our team as much as I... You know, if you have the option between a single person and a company profile, you know, you might look at that and say, well, those are, I'm, I'm focusing my efforts on one thing. Whereas if you can prove it out on a personal profile, then you get additional buy-in from across the team that are not necessarily marketers per se, but just see the value of it. And then you can scale it up exponentially. Yeah. Do you think, I know uh, this is kind of more of a, just a personal curiosity, but also based on your work on the Marketing Ladder podcast, do you think there is also kind of that value to the, let's call it the employee, right? The person themselves, because there's a, as we talked about to circle all the way back to the beginning, yeah. marketers are always moving, right? Their roles may change. The companies may change. Um, I mean, I see a lot of value in that in the sense that like, you're not just saying we're building only the company and then you leave at some point, right? You can take yeah. that value with you. Have you seen kind of some good examples of that recently? I'm guessing. Yeah, I well, mean, even yours, you're, you're, you know, you were at, I mean, it was an acquisition, but the company technically changed and you were able to kind of take that exact same leverage and just boop, flawlessly move forward. Absolutely. Um, if anything, 
the transition only heightened the the personal brand. Because again, let me be clear that Mojo is an absolutely incredible organization and and was an incredible organization, but Gravity Global is literally the world's most awarded B2B agency. Like there's just a different caliber. So for me, what it did is for those people that knew Gravity, it elevated my brand status. For those people that knew me, interestingly enough, it elevated Gravity status in their eyes because they're like, I trust Mason. Oh, they're also the world's most awarded B2B. So what we've seen since the acquisition is actually a pretty significant increase in marketing, or actually not marketing, but like personal brand sourced pipeline that is now turning into opportunities or sorry, into closed one revenue. Mm -hmm. So because we had the acquisition and because I was building my own personal brand, I think those two things together by elevating the status of the organization that I worked for, it then brought more opportunities in the door and it helped bring more opportunities to gravity. So it's, it's this, it's this, you're right. It's both um, on that front. Yeah. Well, you know, I want to actually bring it right back to that LinkedIn events piece, because I, your presence on LinkedIn is so strong. So tying back that personal brand to the LinkedIn events, tell me a little bit about looking forward. What are the things that you're kind of doing next when it comes to these LinkedIn events? How are you scaling them up? Are you thinking in a different way? What's the latest? So for people who've maybe yeah. been seeing the events, running the events, what's your kind of today recommendations from Mason on things people should be thinking about when they're running these? So at, at this is the scrappiest thing and there's pros and cons to it, but we host our webinars in Zoom. So the things that I would recommend is the first time I was doing the LinkedIn events, I would just put a link in there to the, to the actual like landing page where you could register. We weren't capturing people's information. So the first event we did, we said on LinkedIn, we had like 300 people registered. Realistically, we had 70. Mm -hmm. And I never captured any information. So then we put up a LinkedIn registration form, which you can actually just capture everybody's information from their LinkedIn profile. They click OK, you're good to go. But if you keep the landing page link there as opposed to the actual event link, then people get frustrated and complain and that's not great. So the next step is essentially duct taping it together where you have the registration form on your website. We use HubSpot. So then if you register through Zoom, you can get all this stuff that Zoom will automatically send out for you. What we have started to do is we will have not a registration through Zoom proper, but they'll have to register on our website or on LinkedIn. And then what they will get is the exact link itself mm -hmm. to the event. So we're still having people register, but then you, what you need to do is create a series of emails because Zoom is not going to then automatically send out any emails on your behalf because there's no registration. So you'll need to create those emails on your own, but that's created the best experience where we're capturing as much information from people and streamlining the experience for the end consumer. So again, it's, it's a little bit more legwork on your end to kind of duct tape it together, but it's a better experience. So my recommendation would be use a LinkedIn registration form, invite people, and you can invite up to a thousand a week. I don't necessarily recommend just spamming out a thousand every week, but again, if you've got that many people in your network that it would be relevant for, do that. And then finally make it to where the link itself is the actual event versus a landing page that you would send people to, because that's just not a good experience. Yeah, I love that. Plus the beauty, I mean, you know, when if you're capturing them through Zoom, those Zoom emails are just, they look like every other Zoom email, right? But if you're pulling it from LinkedIn and, and your own page, and then you're delivering something just with a link, 
Yes. Lots of liquor. Now, quickly, before we run out of time, I want to hear any hacks around the actual recording or delivery of it to anything else we should absolutely be doing when this thing goes live. And yeah. People are catching it. So we record everything in Zoom. And then what I do is I just download it, do some very minor editing on the front and end. Um, so when I'm recording, what I'll do is in a webinar, I'll do all the intro stuff. And then when it's time to actually start, I will restart my intro. And what that does is when you go back in the recording to edit it, you can cut off and just start there, which makes it really easy and seamless. And then you just cut off the very end where there's that awkward, like, all right, bye everybody. And then you've got a, a single recording, upload that to YouTube. And then again, depending on what you're on, you can easily embed that on a landing page. And what I do is I repurpose the registration page for the landing page. So I just take off the forms, just put it up. It's ungated. Mm -hmm. And then what we do from there is we publish it through LinkedIn and just promote a bunch around it on LinkedIn. And then you can download all the information from people that registered on the event, upload that into your CRM, and then email out the recording. Love it. Absolutely love it. Now, just to clarify, those LinkedIn events, those are the way you're doing it. Are those going live at the time too? Those are those are kind of connected through Zoom and LinkedIn. Are they live or are they really live? They are not live through LinkedIn live. So that is something that I would love to figure out how to do. At this moment, I have not figured that out. Um, but if I can figure out how to do that, that would be a good part too. <laughs> I think the one I've seen recently is StreamYard, but you and I will talk about that because I think it seems like maybe it fits in that puzzle. But this is us. This is us juggling uh, the, you know, the tagline of two pizza marketing is the marvel. It's a marvelous mess, right? Like it's an absolute mess and you and I love it. Yep. And I'm so thrilled that you joined me here today. I think uh, our audience will definitely be hearing more from Mason in the future. Um, I know I will be having lots of great conversations with you. And I thank you for sharing not only your, your broader look at, you know, the flex of marketing roles and the power of LinkedIn events, but a little bit of some great tactical how to for everyone. So thank you again for being here. Where can people find you online? Where should they look you up after this? Uh, we talked a fair bit about LinkedIn, so I'm there. And if you want to hear me ask people a ton of questions, you can go look up the marketing ladder where I just ask people how they built their career. Absolutely. They should listen to my early episode with you, right? Yeah. Of course. I should, uh, oh, goodness. Yes. I don't remember the exact episode number, but you were one of the, the early and one of my favorite episodes. Well, you are always a joy to speak with. Thanks again for joining us. And we will hopefully talk again soon. Bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Scrappy ABM. If you enjoyed this week's episode, go ahead and give us a follow so that you don't miss a single episode. We drop every single Monday so that you can start your week off right. And if you're looking for additional great content just like this, go check out scrappyabm.com. We're building a library of frameworks, guides, templates, processes, and tools so you have everything that you need to build a low-budget, high-impact, scrappy program. Again, thank you for listening to this episode of Scrappy ABM. This has been your host, Nathan Cosby, and we look forward to seeing you in the next one.